Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I am your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro, and I'm a little bit uh, fired up and excited about a bunch of things that are going on. And we're going to go through my pages of outrages together. So I want to thank you all for being here this afternoon. This is a great opportunity for us to uh, get some ideas rolling around and think about the future, things what's going on. It is primary season out there in America. We know there's a lot of primary starting to heat up. And the potential changes for our nation are on the horizon. Will we actually have changes? Or at the last minute, are people going to stick to the status quo? I don't know. Maybe people like uh, $12 a pound chopped meat and uh, $4.50 a gallon gasoline. Maybe they do. Because you know what? There's a plan in the background by the current Biden administration to make a lot of the midterm elections about Donald Trump. You know, the guy who's not president anymore. The guy that they say, you know, he lost. Uh, he's no longer a factor. So they're going to make the midterms about him. So why, why would that happen? What would be the benefit of making the midterm elections about a guy who's no longer the president, has not said he's going to run in 2024, but why would you do that? It seems pretty clear to me. If I was concerned that Donald Trump was going to come back and that he would be a very strong force, because there does appear to be uh, a lot of indications that if Donald Trump comes back, he would be the nominee for the Republican Party. There's a lot of people out here in the world who, uh, even though they didn't like his tweets, they didn't like his rough demeanor, they didn't like the way he said, they loved the way he governed. They loved the policies. They loved the American strength. They love America being first. Before we take care of the rest of the world, we take care of America. And that means our veterans. That means our people, our citizens, the moms and dads that take care of their kids, the people who are trying to make a living at every end of the spectrum. right? So people really liked that. And there's a big push to him for him to come back. There's also, which I'm noticing, and, and I'm starting to hear this in conversations, even from people that were huge Trump supporters last time around, and after the last election, were very, very partial to the idea of, well, whether he lost or not legally, fairly, whatever, we want him to come back in 2024. I'm now seeing some people saying, I really liked what Trump did. He was a great, strong president. He was good for the country, good for the economy, good for everything. But maybe we should, he should sit this one out and we should let someone else, like a DeSantis, step up to the plate and basically be a good, strong leader like Trump was, only remove all the baggage that comes with a Trump candidacy. Because we know that the media, at least the media that is left-leaning, is not going to care about all the lies they told in the past about him. They're not going to care about the lies the Clinton administration told about. They're not going to forget, uh, they're not going to remember that the whole uh, Russia, Russia, Russia thing was all made up and was lies. They're going to go hit the ground running with a whole bunch of new lies because that is how they function. You know, they cover uh, for their, their known candidates and... They're, they're going to do the same thing again. We're going to see that all over again. So what we see these these elections, the midterms, the reason they're going to try and lay it off on Trump is because they want to set in people's minds, in the back of their minds, 
that, hey, uh, you know, you're all excited about this and you're going to vote for these Republicans because you think you're going to get your gas price down. You think you're going to get your country back. Uh, but what you're really going to get is if you elect all these Republicans and they take over the, the Congress, they take over the Senate and the House, you're going to get Trump in 2024. You see what I mean? That's how they're trying to connect this. Even though he's not running, hasn't announced, I think what they want to tell people out there, people who are squeamish and afraid of tweets, they're afraid of tweets. He might actually tweet and be back on and tweeting again. That if they're afraid of that and they say, well, if you vote for Republicans... Uh, that's going to open the door to Trump coming back again, and then we're back at that, you know? So I think that's why there's been reports out there that the Biden administration wants to do exactly that. They want to uh, really make these midterm elections about Trump, which I guess that would make some kind of sense because they really can't talk about, you know, their uh, accomplishments, can they? Okay, we uh we have opened the border wide open. It's not open. The border's not wide open. No, no, that's a lie. Ask Jen Psaki. She'll tell you the border is secure. The border is secure. Uh, but then you see pictures, you see video uh, of the border, and you just see thousands of people walking across the river, showing up, walking into the country, right? This is why we don't have politicians down there. Remember when Trump was the president? Remember that? And it was kids in cages. There's kids in cages down there. Oh, my God. And people going in there and say, yeah, Obama and Biden built these cages. And they're detainment centers. You can't have people just walking into the country. But it was kids in cages and it was cruelty. And even they even showed pictures from the Obama era and they tried to blame it on Trump with people in these cages. But you had every, every stripe of politician running down there to get their picture taken to show you, look at what's going on. Look at the horror down here people are suffering with because of Trump and this, this idea of closing the border. Right? How come we don't see all these politicians down there now? They're, they're basically the, uh, the, the, the men and women on the front line of our uh, Customs and Border and P Border Patrol are begging them to come down and see the chaos they're caught. Mayors and people who live in the communities along the actual border are begging these politicians, come down and see what your policies have done. But none of them will go down there, will they? Why? Because they don't want that photo op. They don't want them standing there seeing this horrific chaos and being able to associate it with what they vote for, that they vote for this open border. So that's not really where I wanted to go right away, but while it's got my mind, let me think about that. You know, how many times have we said here, me and other people who have been on, on Chasing Justice, that it's understandable that people would want to come here from other countries. It is, it's absolutely understandable. We have a better way of life. We have better health care. We have better everything than many parts of the world. And if I was a father with kids and I lived in one of those places, I would probably want to come here too. That's understandable. And I think there are lots and lots and lots of those people that want to come that are good and decent people who just want a better life. You know, how, do, how can you fault that? And that's what pulls at our heartstrings is that we know so many of these people really are, they're just striving for a better world for their families, right? And they come to America and they know they can get that. But the reality is we can't let pulled heartstrings make decisions on, on what we do with our country. You know, there's borders for a reason. You know, there's borders for a reason and, and great big doors in that border if you do it properly and come on in the right way, right? So when I see all those people coming up, I feel bad for them in that 
they're just they're just allowed in. They're put on a bus. They're given a phone now, and they're sent to some part of the country, and they're supposed to self-report. Who's going to self-report? Nobody's going to self-report. They're just going to blend in and try and start their lives. And if somebody, you know, if they, hey, the bank would say to you, you know, to come into the bank to get money, you have to come in with ID. You have to bring your checkbook. You have to write a check. We have to make sure that it's really you, that it's a valid check, and then we're going to give you some money. If the bank just said, oh, come on in, come on in and uh, take whatever money you want and then go home or wherever home might happen to be and then call us and tell us how much you took and, and that, you know, who you were. Would that make any sense? Now, I know that's a, that's a little far-fetched of, of, of an analogy, but it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? We're telling people, yeah, come on in, come on in. You're not supposed to come in, but if you're here, we're going to let you in. We're going to bus you somewhere. We're going to ship you somewhere. We're going to fly you somewhere. And once you get settled, you call us and tell us where you are. And in a year or so, we'll have a hearing for you to determine whether or not you get to stay. If people can't see the reality of what a mess system that is, it's because they don't want to see it. It's because they, they want the migration, uncontrolled un, uh, migration into the country and again, we talked about this in a previous episode. What would be the only purpose for doing and for allowing that? One, I'm going to give you two choices. One, you just have such a big heart and you just want these people to come in and have a better life. No matter what it costs you or your family or your country, doesn't matter. You have such a big heart, you just want to let them in. Or number two, there's got to be some benefit to you for allowing them to come in take jobs from Americans, to uh, strain public school systems, strain medical resources, strain the resources we have. We don't have unlimited resources here. That is why every country in the world has some kind of a migration plan and a closed border because you have to decide, you have to make decisions of what's best for your country, not just to be good and let everyone come in and, well, well, if we all suffer, uh, it's better that we all suffer than that, that people didn't get to come in and have a chance. That is, that is playing on people's heartstrings, and that's, that's not the right way to run things. You know, we can feel bad for people, and we can try and help people, but to just destroy our own country willingly because it feels better to do that than to not do it. That's not how you make decisions. That's, that's very weak. See, we talked once, right, about making decisions from strength or weakness. Well, that would be making a decision from weakness because your heart is so bent. You just can't make the right decision. You just can't, you can't think clearly because you feel so guilty and so bad. Well, then you shouldn't be in a position of leadership because sometimes you have to make hard decisions, decisions that are not popular, that are not um, soft and easy. Sometimes you got to say, America only has so much resources. We can't just throw open the, the border and allow everybody who wants to come in to come in and then give them everything they need so they can have a good life. We just do not have it, right? But when I look at that, I say the second reason is there has to be some benefit to you if you vote for that, if you believe in that, if you want to do that. And what's that benefit? Well, I think it's out in the open. Everybody knows. You expect the people that you let in to vote for you. And if every one of our, our presidential and, and local elections is won by, say, uh, 6 or 7% of the vote determines who wins all these elections and you bring in 20% more people that are going to vote for you, then you're going to win every election. So we have to open our eyes to this and say, is this really what's good for our country? Is it good for these people to leave their homes, to come walking with these thousands of miles, drowning in the river trying to get here? Their kids are trafficked. Their kids are abused. These women are abused to get here 
For what purpose? Because somebody wants to exploit them for political power? Well, I guess if you're on that side of the aisle and you think, hey, I don't care what it takes to keep the power. We don't want tweeting and we don't want that orange man coming back and we don't want this constitution thing and we certainly don't want the freedom of the, of the press people to say whatever they want to say, uh, then I guess maybe you agree with that. I'm trying to look at what's really good for our country and what's good for our country is to have a controlled policy, a controlled entry and to make sure that we bring in the people we need, not just everybody who wants to come here. We can help in other ways for people that are in poverty. We can, we can certainly do a lot to help people in poverty in other parts of the world. We do that a lot, don't we? But to just let everybody in because we feel bad is, is not, a good, uh, it's not a good way to go. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to bite us. One of the things that we see is that now, I think I saw a report the other night, they've identified 48, 48 known people on the terrorist watch list that have come in and they redispersed them throughout the country. And they asked uh, Secretary Mayorkas from Homeland Security, um, do you know where those people are? Well, I would have to uh, go get you the answer on that. I would have to go, go look that up. If you are in charge of Homeland Security and you have 48 people on the known terrorist watch list and you let them into the country and you don't know exactly where they are at every every single moment, you shouldn't be in charge of Homeland Security. Right? You should not be in charge of Homeland Security. That is, I, I, can't even, I can't even come up with words for what that means. I watched this, this man testify. And they asked him several times very, very important questions about where are these people being shipped? How many people have been shipped across our country? Why are you flying them in the middle of the night? Uh, even if Jen Psaki says, well, three o'clock's not really the middle. The middle of the night is too... It's, it's all nonsense. Why are they bringing people in in unmarked flights, dropping them off at airports around the country, and letting them just filter in to the, to the American population? Who are these people that they're letting in? One of the things they asked uh, Mayorkas the other day, they said, uh, you have 800,000 people here. And I think it was Jim Jordan who asked the question. I could be wrong, but Representative Jordan... He says, you let in 800,000 people already. Do you agree that some of those people will commit crimes? And he said, yes, it's inevitable that some of those people will commit crimes. So that means you let in 800,000 people and some of them are going to victimize Americans and you're okay with that. So you've now just made people victims who, who would not have been had you not let in 800,000 people just through an open border? There are going to be victims. That means maybe it's just petty theft. They steal somebody's wallet. Maybe they'll steal their cell phone. Maybe they'll break into their house and, and steal um, some power tools. But maybe they'll rape and rob somebody in your home. Maybe they'll murder somebody in your family. Maybe they'll get drunk and wipe out your family in a car accident. Oh, well... Oh, well, that's what happens. That, it's, it's inevitable, he says. It's inevitable. So basically, people out there right now in America Out Loud land who are listening to me talk about this, some of you could be victimized in the next year, tomorrow. You could be victimized in a small way or victimized in a very, very big way because we don't know where anybody is and uh, that seems to be okay. Is that okay with you? Is this all right that we're doing this? Well, you know, we can be very frustrated about it. We can be very, very frustrated about it. 
But here's the problem. You know, uh, we, we, we can't really do anything about it. What can, what can you possibly do? You have a guy like Jim Jordan, who's a representative, smart guy, powerful guy. He's an elected official. And he's up there railing about this with some of his uh, brother and sister uh, politicians that this stuff is wrong. And can they do anything at all to stop it? Absolutely nothing. They ask questions. They don't get answers. Nobody has to answer them. And all of us just sit out here going, why is it like this? Why isn't it fixed? How come somebody doesn't do something about it? Well, the people that could do something about it are doing this on purpose. This is on purpose. We talked about that. And I got to tell you, I think we scooped them. Because on a previous episode of Chasing Justice, I actually went over that. I got my notes here somewhere uh, from that episode. And when I'm talking about it, I, I wanted to explain that, you know, while people get frustrated that these things are going on, and there seems to be a question, why, why doesn't somebody do something about it? And I said, they are doing something about it. These things are not by accident. These things are on purpose. You know, so when we, we see the video from a place like Fox News or some other, uh, some other agency that really goes down to the border and videos what's going on there and shows you people just walking across the river, just disappearing into the country, thousands of people, how many getaways there are. And then we see our, uh, our officials taking them into custody, registering who they are as best as they can, put them on a plane, get them out of there. Nobody's stopping anybody at the border. A closed border means a thousand people show up at the border and you stop them and you turn them around and they go back. That is a closed border. A wide open border is when those thousand people show up and either they sneak through openings, they make it through a place where there is no officials, or they talk to the officials, give them a name, and the official brings them into the country. So when we see people say to Jen Psaki, uh, isn't it a wide open border? Why do you have a... It's not a wide open border. It's not a wide open border. We have uh, Customs and Border Patrol are down there, and they, they stop everyone, uh, they, they, as many as they can. You know, some do get away. Of course, that happens. But the huge majority, we stop, we process, we know who they are. Uh, so it's not an open border. So her, her, her get around, her obfuscation of the truth is that while of those thousand people, maybe a hundred sneak away and get away. They sneak away. They just don't get caught. Nobody stops them. Nobody talks to them. They just, boom, they make it uh, into the country and they disappear, right? They cross the deserts. They cross the property, whatever it is they got to go. And the other 900 people are stopped, rounded up. They find out who they are and then they're allowed into the country. What is the difference? She's trying to say that because we stopped those 900 people, the border's not wide open. It's not like people just come pouring across and nobody's watching, nobody's paying attention. We are paying attention. We're doing the right thing. We're, re we're registering them, getting them their hearings, and we're letting them go about their life uh, until they're called for their hearing. And when they show up, if it turns out they shouldn't be here, then we'll send them back. Do you see what nonsense that is? That's an on purpose. That's not a by accident. That's an on purpose. The borders are wide open. Now, you might be a person who says to yourself, well, they're coming in for a better life, so we should just let them. We talked about this, right? So if your neighbor, if your neighbor's out of work, uh, should your neighbor just walk over, walk in your front door, go to your refrigerator, uh, take some food out of there, and uh, go, to, go through your wallet, take some cash, and get, well, listen, I'm out of work. I really need it, and, and I'm a good person. You know, I just want a better life for my family. Right now, we're in a bad way. 
So uh, I'm just gonna take this money, this food, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna head on I'll head on to my house, okay? And I'll I'll be back maybe tomorrow to take some more. Is that okay? No. Why do we lock our doors? Because we were trying to protect the things inside there. Now, if a neighbor knocks on the door and says to you, "Hey, listen, uh, I'm hungry. I got no food and no money. Is there anything you could do to help me?" Sure. Here's twenty dollars. Here's a bag of spaghetti. Here's some uh, some uh, a couple of steaks. Take that back and feed your family. I'm I'm glad we could help you. Hey, thanks a lot. And then they go. That that's the right way. They knock on the door and ask for permission. Well, our 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 immigration should be the same thing. You follow the rules. You apply. And then we give you a hearing and decide whether you come. You don't just walk across the border and disappear. It's not right. It's not right. I have nothing against the people who are doing that. I understand their motivation 100%. If I lived where they lived, I would probably want to do the same thing. But that don't make it right. Right? So don't misinterpret what Lieutenant Joe is saying out there. You people sitting in the, in the uh, sitting in your uh, basements down there in your underwear taking notes trying to catch Lieutenant Joe for saying something horrible. I'm just simply saying... It's not the right process. It's not fair to the people of this country who are trying to make a life. We have limited resources and we have to tend those resources properly. We help who can help, who deserves to come, should come. But not everyone can just come because they want to. It's just the way it is. All right. Brings me to another part of the border concern. The amount of drugs that are coming into our country now. There, there's a there's a change in attitude, right? We're seeing marijuana legalized all across the country, aren't we? We're seeing marijuana legalized all across the country. And that is really changing uh, how we view drugs. For the most part, it's really changing how we view drugs. Drugs are now recreationally accepted um, for marijuana use, just like alcohol. It's just like alcohol. Uh, and it's going to be treated just like alcohol in time. I know right now a big controversy is whether we not we let our first responders have the right to utilize smoke marijuana or ingest marijuana edibles or whatever. And and some states are allowing it, some are not allowing it. Okay, and that that goes by that goes by the responsibility you have. You know, you carry a gun, you drive a car real fast. Maybe you shouldn't be smoking pot. Um, if you could do it on the weekends and it's out of your system, I guess. Like, how would you tell that? I don't know. We're going to figure this out, but eventually, I'm going to tell you, I believe it's going to come down to being just like um, alcohol. You know, you can drink the night before you go on your shift. You go to work the next day. Uh, nobody's sitting there checking unless you smell like booze or something. Uh, whether it's law enforcement, airline pilots, or the doctor who's about to cut you open for something, right? Don't you want to make sure they're not they're not high? The overall thing is that we've we've lessened the stigma and the concern about getting high. It's it's considered uh, not such a big deal anymore, which you still people, see people talking about, well, let's legalize cocaine and heroin too, and if anybody wants to do it, it's up to them. Well, here's what I've always said about that, being in, in, in law enforcement and seeing the devastation to people's lives that these drugs can cause. If you have um, 30 million people who would never, ever, ever touch heroin or cocaine because it's illegal, and therefore it's not something that's part of their daily life. And now you make it legal. And it's legal. And you go to a party and people are smoking a joint. They're drinking a, a, a gin and tonic. And they say, hey, you want to try a little cocaine bump? You want to try a little taste of cocaine? Okay, I'll try it out of those 30 million. How many people would try it? How many people would like it? And how many people would become addicted to it and destroy their lives financially, professionally, um, 
and then go out into the street and do bad things that happen to you and your family, like crash their car into you. Oh, Lieutenant Joe, not, that's not what would happen to everybody because people are using it already now. They are. But if you legalize it, you're going to exponentially increase the number of people who are using these things, getting addicted to it. Not everyone. Not everyone will get t- addicted to cocaine or heroin if they use it. Not everyone. Large majorities of them will. And then they will destroy their lives financially, personally, and they will destroy other people's lives by crashing into them. That's what happens when you allow hard drugs to be everywhere. Right? So yeah, people want to sit around and shoot themselves up until they die. God bless them. I guess they could do it. But if we make it legal, you're going to have lots and lots of other people do it. And this is where the border comes in. Fentanyl is so powerful. Take a salt shaker and give a quick shake onto your table so you can see those little grains of salt. Now look at them and take about five or six little grains of salt and pull them off to the side under your finger and leave them there on the table and take a look at them. That much fentanyl could kill several people. Think about that. That much of that little tiny thing could kill several people. When you got pounds and kilos worth of that stuff coming across the border, and what it's done is people sprinkle it into other drugs. So you take heroin, and then you add a little fentanyl to it to make it more potent, make your stuff stronger, because that's what people who use those drugs want. They want the strongest drug they can get for the cheapest price. The biggest bang for the buck, as they say. So you sprinkle a little fentanyl into your heroin. People get really, really high because fentanyl is a synthetic opiate. Has the same exact effects. Only you're used to doing, I don't know, five bags a day. Imagine that if doing five bags of heroin a day. Well, that's how that's what happens when you use heroin. Uh, you start to increase your need because you don't get high anymore so much. You get used to it. So maybe say you're at five bags and now you, you used to take five bags every day. And now all of a sudden you get some fentanyl-laced heroin. And when you hit that third bag, guess what? Goodbye, you're dead. This is happening to children, to adults, to all these people that are playing around with heroin and fentanyl. And it's pouring over our border. So here's the reality. When it comes to young people, young people are experimental. Aren't they? Weren't you young when you were underage? Didn't you want to have beer parties and drink? And didn't you smoke pot and try these kind of things? Well, think about your grandchildren, your children, experiencing some of these things at a party because it's cool, man, and they're going to try it. Some of them are going to be dead. You understand that, right? This open border and these pouring drugs coming over our border, they can affect your house. So at your next meal, when you're sitting around looking at your lovely, beautiful family, and you think it's no big deal that the border should be wide open. Let the people come. They want a better life. We couldn't control it. Who are we to tell people they could come? Right? If you want to do that, look around at all those smiling faces and realize that if these drugs keep pouring over here, some of those faces can be dead because of an overdose. Because they got involved with some drugs to have a party. Because the, the whole the whole idea of drugs is now, uh, it's just cool, man. Everybody can do it. It's no big deal. Nobody should tell people what to do. Right? This is what I'm telling you. People around your table, some of them could end up dead. I wouldn't want that. I'm scared to death of that. And we have to stop this flow over our border. So listen, this is Lieutenant Joe. I'll be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on the precautions, but deep down, you still want to avoid getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray. 
Made in the USA, Cofix RX reduces viral loads and minimizes the risk of you getting sick. Find a retailer near you or click our banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Along with a healthy immune system, clean air is vital for optimal health. According to the EPA, we spend 90% of our time indoors, where germs are most concentrated. It's essential to clean indoor air. Genesis is the only technology that quickly, safely, and effectively kills pathogens both in the air and on surfaces in seconds, reducing the viral load in any environment. The powerful, well-built Genesis Fogger produces a dry, ultra-fine mist using HOCL, which occurs naturally in our own immune systems. We'll be living with airborne diseases in the future. New viruses and antibiotic-resistant superbugs are no problem for Genesis. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash outloud. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. It tastes great, comes in a convenient squeeze gel pack, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. All right, welcome back to Chasing Justice. Now, you're going to hear my chair creak, and that's okay, because I'm reaching for something. I'm reaching... I'm reaching for my healthy cell. That's right. Immune boost. Super immune boost. I have a packet right here. I told you I've been taking it. It's really good stuff. I feel I feel really strong. I've gotten through the winter. I've gotten through the summer. Allergy season. Much better than I have in years and years and years. And I mention it now because I know everybody's trying to stay healthy. You know, we're coming out of this pandemic. Dr. Fauci says the pandemic in America is pretty much over. Okay, until next week when Dr. Fauci says it's not over, you better put the mask back on, right? But in the meantime, I'm uh, I'm trying to stay healthy. So we're taking the right kind of vitamins. I'm, I'm working out. I'm trying to eat better, you know, cut down on the adult beverages, all that kind of stuff. But I take the healthy cell um, super immune super boost, it's called. It tastes really good. And I'm going to open one right here. Package is open and I'm going to gurgle it down. It is delicious. I do love the flavor. I think it's like a black cherry or something. 
but it's very good. They advertise here on the network. So if you hear about it and you're trying to find a way to help yourself be healthier, give it a try. Give it a try. I, I found to be actually works pretty good. You know, if, if you like supplements, it can really, really help you help and boost your immune system so you fight off the COVID and everything else that's out there. And if you can't sleep, they have a, they have a, a, a supplement for that too. It really works to help you sleep. So healthy cell, it's good stuff. I mention it to you because I care about you. Now, we were talking about the drugs coming over the border and opening the world to drugs. And, and I know people who who have died of drug overdoses, uh, not just as a police officer. You have come across these people. Like you get to know them. You arrest them six times for drugs, and then the seventh time they, they die. Uh, well, my son Joseph was younger. He was, he, had a, he was in the Boy Scouts, you know, Boy Scout troop. And we had, uh, they, he went to Catholic school and there was, I think, how many, 26 kids in the class and they started in kindergarten, they go through eighth grade and then they go off to whatever high school they're going to go. But there's 26 kids, 13, 13, 14 girls, 13, 14 boys, whatever the, the breakup was, about half and half. And these kids were really close because they were in the same school together. They did all the same things together. They were in scouts together, sports together. So they became friends, you know, some better than others, but of course they became friends. And uh, when they were in the Boy Scouts, all these kids were going on these camping trips together. And as one of the dads, I would go on the camping trips. You know, we had the families here for, for swimming in the pool. We went to their house for a Christmas party, all that kind of stuff. You know, we became friends with all these people. And there was one boy in the group, uh, two boys in the group, that were real close with my son, Joe. And they were all, they were all good kids. They were all good kids. When they started to get around high school, after eighth grade, as they all moved on, you know, to different schools, some went back to their local public school, some went to a Catholic school, some went to uh, uh, one of the schools for like the performing arts, or if they wanted to do some kind of building thing, they have those kind of high schools around here, science high schools, whatever. Uh, and these kids kind of separated from each other. Well, my son Joe was telling me, um, I guess about a year after high school, when he, I guess he was but into high school. He was about a freshman in high school. And he says, hey, I saw, you know, uh, the Bobby and Johnny, two fake names. I'm not going to use their real names. I saw Bobby and Johnny. I said, oh, how are they doing? What's up? I haven't seen them since last year. You know that you guys are, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, man, they're a mess, man. I said, what do you mean they're a mess? He goes, dad, um, you know, we were at this party and, uh, you know, these guys are taking pills. Uh, they were snort, they were snorting heroin. You know, they're freshmen in high school. They're snorting a little heroin. I said, wow, did, did you try any of it, Joe? He goes, no, they had some beers there. I had a beer. I tried a beer, but I wouldn't take the pills. But, you know, these two guys are taking pills and they're laughing and joking about it. And it's really bad. And I thought it was really bad. And I was I was alarmed and I was upset to know that these nice young kids were now using real drugs, right? Real drugs. I was glad my son didn't, but these kids were close. We were friendly with all of them. So, you know, I did mention something to their parents. I said, hey, listen, uh, I'm here through the grapevine that, uh, you know, Johnny and Bobby over there are, uh, are experimenting with some of these pills. And the parents were happy to have the information. Yeah, we're going to look at that. That's not good. We don't want my kid doing that. Well, let me tell you, um, by the end of high school, uh, the, the kids had really gone their separate ways. And some of these kids really went down the party path uh, and, and graduate high school. Everybody goes off to college. In that freshman year, uh, Bobby and Johnny didn't go to college, which is fine. They just started working, their working life, whatever they were doing. And, uh, and Johnny ends up overdosing on heroin. He dies. He dies dead. 
His friends drive him to the local hospital in his car and leave his dead body in the back seat, and they flee the car. Well, uh, security finds this young man in the car dead from a heroin overdose, uh, and they watch the video, and you know, they, eventually the authorities identified who the other two young men were and had a conversation with them. Apparently, they were all partying. This guy nodded out. They didn't know what to do for him. They realized he was dead, and they figured they'd bring him to the hospital and just drop him off so they didn't leave his body on the side of the street you know, or some, some nonsense. But these were very good friends of ours. These were good, decent people. And here is this young man dead uh, because of these drugs. So, yeah, go ahead. Loosen up the drugs. Let everybody do all the drugs. Make them all legal. Uh, keep bringing it over the border. Bringing it over the border. And, and I would suggest also write something nice to say about the young people in your life so that at their funeral... Uh, you can say something nice, right? So I'm very frustrated. I'm upset with this open border because of that's another reason. But this is very, very deadly stuff. So let's see if we can move on from that now. Okay. All right. So did you see we had a recent unanimous Supreme Court decision? So let's talk about that. Talk about justice, right? Supreme Court unanimous. The conservative justices and the liberal justices got together and agreed uh, on a case and voted uh, nine nine to nothing, right? And it was about um, a flying of a flag in Boston. So apparently the city of Boston has a program where they, they invite outside groups, private groups, to fly their flags at, at you know, City Hall. And it's, uh, it's a, like they want to bring all these people together, all these different groups. It's all part of the community. Everybody bring your flag, right? Bring your flag. Well, a Christian group brought their flag. And it was a flag with a cross on it. And they wanted to hang it. And Boston said, no, no, we can't hang your flag up. Because if we hang your flag up at Boston uh, government headquarters, that would be like the government uh, supporting your religion. And government's not allowed to support your religion. So therefore, you can't fly your flag. Well, that was the case. And they weren't allowed to fly the flag. And the Supreme Court got the case and unanimously... They said that the city of Boston was wrong, that if they invited all these outside groups that were part of the community to fly their flags, they should have allowed the Christian group to fly its flag. Oh, oh my God, people right now, oh, they're freaked out. You're going to, you're going to talk about God. Oh, that's terrible. No, it's a group. It's, they have, they have, you know, the same freedoms as everyone else. You know, it's very frustrating to hear um, people talk about the Constitution, how uh, separation of church and state, separation of church and state. Well, that was a that was that came up later on. The whole idea is that government will not uh, endorse a particular religion. Like we're not going to say we are a Catholic country. The United States government declares America is a Catholic government or a Jewish government or a Muslim government. That's not who we. That's that's who we are. Right. That that would be declaring. A religion, and that would be wrong. So, our our public spaces are not to be free from religion, but the government can't endorse a particular religion. So, therefore, if I have uh, open space, government land, and I allow people to do things there, then I should allow religious groups to do it there too, because I'm not endorsing a particular religion. I'm simply saying we allow our government space to be used by outside groups. And people get this so wrong 
in their heads. You can't have, no, you can't have a crush. You can't have a, a crush, you know, oh, at Christmas time. Why not? If you allow other displays on public land at a time of a holiday, uh, it happens to be a Christian holiday of uh, Jesus's birthday, Christmas, and they put out the uh, the crush out there. You know, it's, it's a beautiful little thing. It doesn't demand anybody be Christian or believe in God or follow the Ten Commandments or do good. You could still be a devil-worshiping, horrible person if you want, and that crush doesn't hurt you. If you want to put something up there, you could put up something else, right? And then we have Halloween groups put things up, and the Boy Scouts put things up, and then you have the baseball team puts it it's just another group. So the public space is not to be free from religion. It is just not to be to be endorsed by the government, right? As this is the government religion. And I agree with that. Uh, lots of people believe whatever they want to believe. You know, do your thing. But I thought that was great. A unanimous Supreme Court decision that says, uh, Boston was wrong. You should have let the Christian group fly their flag. Well, that's interesting uh, because there's been a couple of unanimous decisions that as much as you might think, you know, the conservative justices just want to put people, uh, they just want to lock everybody up, and the liberal justices just want everybody to be full of love, uh, which is not really true uh, in either case, but the reality is that we see that they come together sometimes on basic understandings of constitutional law, and that is refreshing. I think it also points maybe, uh, this decision points maybe to a um, redirecting of the ship, right? Our ship is lost. We're, we don't have a rudder. We are, we are so goofed up between who believes what and who has to believe what and who can say what they believe and who shouldn't speak about what they... That maybe that's gone too far now. Maybe, maybe we need to right this ship and realize, let's get back to the Constitution where everyone has rights as long as we're not hurting each other uh, everyone gets to express their, 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 express themselves, their beliefs, their points of view. And if you don't like their point of view, uh, don't listen, don't follow it. Don't, don't do what they do. Do something different, right? Have your own point of view. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine that? Having your own point of view. You know, if you don't like ugly tweets, guess what? Don't follow a guy that tweets ugly. And then you won't have to worry about that. Right? See, it's very, very simple. You don't like a TV show that's on, Oh my God, I don't like it. What's up? You know what you do? You turn the channel, change the channel, change the channel, and you don't have to see it, right? Somebody else might like that show. There might be a show, Lieutenant Joe just really does not like, I don't like it. I don't demand to be taken off. I change the channel, right? We all have that right. We don't have to listen. We can walk away when somebody says something we don't like. Or we can challenge their thought and have our own thoughts. <gasps> Boy, how interesting that would be. Somebody had a point of view, and somebody had a different point of view, and they sat and talked out the differences. Wow. You, nah, we couldn't do that, because you, you might actually get somewhere and solve some of these problems. We can't have that. Um, so that's interesting. Now, speaking of what you can speak about and what you can't speak about, how about the disinformation board being created by the Biden administration? What could be wrong with that, with the government coming up with a board of disinformation to look at what's said out in the public square and the government will make the determination of whether or not it's appropriate, whether it's not appropriate, whether it should be silenced or whether it should be allowed to go. Wow, where did that come from? Well, 
you can find that in uh, Orwell's 1984. You can find it there. But he wasn't the originator. Let's look at the Soviet Union or Communist China or uh, North Korea. Look at any of these places, these totalitarian dictatorships, when the government will decide what's proper speech, what's allowed and what's not allowed. The fact that we have this in America, I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. If you don't see that we're now going to have a board of truth determined by the government, and you don't see that as one of the most chilling effects on potential freedom that there ever has been, then you really don't understand the fragility of the freedoms that we have. When you're going to allow the government to be the board of truth, and they will determine what's true and what's not true, and that will be the only official uh, determination of truth, of silencing those that we say are not true, when you start to do that, you have just cut your rights more than in half. More than in half. And you realize how dangerous that is. So I heard Mr. Mayorkas again, Secretary Mayorkas, if that's what he's the director of uh, Homeland Security. He came out and he says, oh, our, our messaging was really bad on this. It's not a uh, it's not a board of truth. It's not about a board of truth. It's not about political speech at all. It's about violence. You see, after 9-11, we realized that when people are saying violent things out there in the, in the public square, we have to pay attention to that. And we have to, uh, you know, change the narrative about that or do something about it so that there's no violence. This is not about political speech at all. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that? Well, you know what? I would say, let's go ask um, former President Donald Trump what he thinks. Oh, wait a minute. He's not allowed to speak. He's been silenced because people didn't like what he had to say. So therefore, all these public uh, platforms, uh, social media, they all ban him. He's not allowed to speak. And our government does nothing to go after. Matter of fact, they applaud it. They want more banning of speech that they don't agree with. What happens when someone doesn't agree with you and they ban you or silence you? What do you think you're going to think about it then? And you know, there's, a, there's an old saying that when you think about the uh, you know, frogs in a bucket of warm water sitting on the stove, you turn the heat up nice and slow, they don't move. Matter of fact, at some point the water starts to feel nice and cozy and warm. By the time it's about ready to kill them, they're about to die in the boiling water, it's too late and they can't make a move. By having a board of truth, the disinformation board, and they're going to make determinations on free speech, by the time they get to you, it's too late and you're silenced. You're shut up. Do you not see that? Well, I got to tell you, I, I believe the people listening here to Chasing Justice, most of you, except for those in your basement and your underwear taking notes, um, I think most of you get it. And it should be chilling. It's chilling to think we have that in our society. And the fact that, you know, our media, they're, they're applauding it. Because they want to silence certain people. What are, how, look at this Elon Musk. By all intents and purposes, a brilliant guy, great businessman, you know, turned, in, turned things into a fortune. He was a very, very smart guy. He goes in and wants to buy Twitter. And they, first of all, oh my gosh, they, they, they changed their, oh, we're like, we can't sell it to him. He's going to change it. 
but he eventually he's buying it now. And now you see our friends on the left are losing their minds. Do you hear these things that they're saying? If Elon Musk is in charge, he could silence politicians that he doesn't like. He could silence uh, all kinds of people that he doesn't. What do you think is going on there now? Of all the people that get silenced on social media, and especially on Twitter, who gets silenced the most? I think I saw a statistic. It was about 89% of the silencing and the banning happens to conservatives, Republicans and conservatives. So how is that right? Well, because, well, then face the fact, Lieutenant Joe, Republicans and conservatives are evil, hateful people, and therefore they shouldn't have a platform to speak. Who's to decide that? Well, if you believe in that constitution, then you are a racist, horrible person, and therefore you shouldn't speak. Do you see it? Do you get it? Right? So they're all losing their minds because he's going to open the platform back up and people are going to be allowed to speak. So when they come out and say something like, Hunter Biden's laptop, that's not real. That's Russian disinformation. That's all a lie. All 51 of us geniuses in, in, in intelligence, we all agree. It's a lie. It's probably a Trump plot to come back. When they come out and say that, you can rebut them. You can come out with facts. You can come out with witnesses. You can come out with experts. You can come out with the New York Post story that they all banned because they didn't want it to come out, right? So they're in a panic that Elon Musk will either open the platform up to everyone to speak or maybe he'll do to them what they've been doing to everyone else that they don't like. Interesting, isn't it? How the story has changed. And you hear these people losing their minds that he might silence politicians he doesn't like. Like conservative politicians, Trump being the number one. I don't care if you like him or not. He should be allowed to speak. You don't have to listen to him. And I think we covered that earlier today. So I find all of this uh, really, really important to us here. The Board of Disinformation. Watch out for it. Because isn't that thought police? Isn't that thought police? And how do we go from the board, the board, the board of disinformation gets, gets word that you have said something that is not approved. What do you think they're going to do? Send you a nasty letter, a cease and desist letter. We understand that you're talking about constitutional rights, and we find that to be a violent hate speech towards other segments of our society, and you are to stop talking about the Constitution, blah, 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 blah. You think it's going to stop at that nasty letter? When do you think there's going to be a, a knock at your door? When someone says, hi, we have information that you've been speaking about the Constitution. You've been talking about your constitutional right to protest your government and uh, you know seek redress of issues you don't agree with. Is this true? Are you thinking about doing something like that? Because you are dangerous. And then Mayorkas comes out and says, oh no, it's not about political speech. It's about violence. Well, haven't we seen a redefinition of the words and what is violence? Well, speech can be violence now. People, Words are violence. When you say things that disagree with me or hurt my feelings, that's violence. You're doing violence to me. So if it's about violence and we accept the definition that words are violent, then guess what? You can have your opinion, but if your opinion 
goes against what is approved, then you have now committed violence. And what do we do when people commit violence in our society? We indict them, we arrest them, we punish them. Do you see how this attack on free speech, I've said this over and over, go back and listen to other shows, free speech is the linchpin of all of our freedoms. And that's why it has to go. That's why in totalitarian governments, they take away free speech, freedom to assemble, freedom to redress their government. Because if you don't have any of those rights and you try to do them, you are in violation of the law. And therefore, we can take you into custody and remove you, you troublemaker. Follow the orders. Do you see how easy this can happen? How easy this can happen. And we're so used to here in America that, oh, it'll never happen here. This is America. This is America. Well, free speech is already almost removed. You can't speak freely because of the way things are. And that is the greatest danger. So if I hear a, a, a politician that I disagree with, I will disagree with the policy. I don't like it. I don't want to silence the politician. I need to come up with a better argument to go against their policy, not silence the politician, right? If a story comes out, like all these people that have talked about the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, it was a lie, it's made up by the Trump people. Did any of those people whose job it is to report on the truth, right? And they report on the truth. Isn't it their job? Isn't it incumbent on them to do an investigation and find out if the stuff on that laptop was, number one, was it real? Was it Hunter, laps, Hunter Biden's laptop? What was the story? Not just dismiss it. But dismiss it. It has to be a Trump trick. If it makes the Democrats and Biden look bad, then it has to be a trick. Um, that's called being a, uh, a toady for somebody. Because we all know, we all know very clearly, don't we, that if there had been a missing laptop from one of the Trump young people, and it had a bunch of stuff on there, do you think it would be not believed? That it would be, we're not even going to look at this. 62 experts say this is just a Biden trick for the election. This is a Hillary Clinton trick. Do you think anybody would say that in the mass media? Or do you think they would be running every bite on that computer and running a story about it every single day? What? Why is that acceptable in our society today? Why is that one-sided view of the world accepted? Well, because they have control of all the media, except for a few places where people can speak out. Here on America Out Loud, Fox News, for the most part, you could speak out. Sure, there's some things I don't like about what they do, too. But you know what? There's Newsmax. There's lots of things out there. Alternatives to MSNBC, uh, ABC, uh, Comcast and all these places that are obviously very left-wing places, the New York Times. And you know what? I don't have to read their stories. I don't have to listen to their news programs. Right? I can change the channel. I'm not trying to silence them. What I would like is for people to be held to account. I would think that would be important, that people be held to account. Like, we all heard for, for the two years about this Russian conspiracy thing with Trump. Well, it turns out it's not true. How about some retractions. How about some, hey, listen, we reported and it was completely wrong. And here's what we found out. Here's what we found out. Let's tell the whole story. Now, but we'll never do that. And that is also a danger to our freedom and our democracy.
You know, they, it's a free, it's it's danger to our democracy to let people have free speech. Do you do you realize? Think about think about that comment. It's a danger to our democracy to allow free speech. We were built on free speech. Free speech laid the groundwork for our freedom as a nation and as individual people. And we have come so far, the pendulum has swung so far the other way, that free speech is now considered a danger to our freedom and our liberty. It's, it's unbelievable. This is, this is not a world you could have imagined would have taken place. You know, when I read Orwell's 1984 when I was in high school, it seemed like, well, that was the Soviet Union they're talking about, but that'll never happen here. This is America. We're the United States of America. Man, we are so, we're nothing like those people over there. We have freedom here. We could say whatever we want. We could do what we want. Can you do and say what you want now? Aren't we, aren't we headed now more towards the direction of the Soviet Union and how that government works based on what we're seeing our government do? We are, and that's a danger. But I think because I see this, this nine to nothing Supreme Court decision, I think maybe the ship is righting itself. Maybe, maybe there's a chance we can save ourselves. These upcoming elections, vote the way you feel is right, is what I'm telling you. No matter which side of the aisle you're on, vote what you think is right, do the right thing, and go and pull the lever. But as long as there's no cheating, however it comes out, that's how it comes out. And that's the purpose of an election. People will determine uh, their future and how it's going to go. So I want you to think about these things. I want you to think about it, and I want you to have a great day, and we'll see you again here on Chasing Justice with your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. And remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.